Hello and welcome to the 55-1 Podcast. My name is Wes Burdine and I'm here uh, in a cold basement on the phone with Alex Schieferdecker who is, uh, you know, in hopefully somewhere warm in West Philadelphia. Uh, how are you, Alex? Good. Yeah, I can report that I'm in a warm living room. Wow, oh, congratulations. There we oh. go. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, uh, we are going to talk about Minnesota United in, in particular because, uh, it is the start of the season. Uh, MLS season is, uh, we're recording this on a Monday. So what, five days away? Um, uh, there's like a palpable excitement, uh, around the country. Uh, everyone's asking me about it. Um, and so we, we're, we've got like our, our prediction episode that, that we're going to do. Uh, including Minnesota United, but also just around MLS uh, going on. But, uh, you know, and, anything you, you want to say before before we start? Are you, you doing okay? Yeah, you know, I'm just so excited for the start of the season. It's I am filled with foreboding and dread about Minnesota, uh, but it's just fun. Uh, every year I, I think like, ah, the off season is so great. You feel the hope and promise, and you get to watch new players come in and all that stuff. And then I get to the off season, and it's so bored. So it's really great to have a team that's playing. Yeah, I, I mean, for, uh, any any uh, uh, like panic or negativity or anything like that um, is, is tempered <clears throat> by the fact that uh, you know that ant- anticipation before any ball balls are kicked, uh, where it's like, oh, this could be exciting this year, um, right? Just, just not like, it's just fun to watch soccer. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, we, we can talk about all the other aspects to it, uh, for the rest of the episode, but for now, let's, uh, let's just do this thing where big quarters comes on. Then we come back and we talk about soccer. All right. We're back doing the part where we talk about soccer, uh, where we talk about it in positive and panicky ways and uh, and all sorts of things. Um, but let's start with, before we do predictions, uh, Alex, let's start with like a little bit of the tidbit news. Um, a couple signings happened or maybe have not fully been uh, approved or whatever, but um, uh, Simon Dawkins and Luis Fernando uh, are two players who... Uh, it's reported that Minnesota United has signed. Uh, Simon Dawkins was a former Spurs youth player, uh, came to San Jose and uh, as a loan and then came back as a designated player, uh, has now been released from the club. Um, and Luis Fernando is this 22-year-old player from, uh, he's a uh, defensive midfielder from Fluminense in, in Brazil. I uh, played a little bit in the Slovakian, right? I get that? Yeah. Yeah. Slovakian league. Yeah. Fluminense uh, has a, a reserve team in the Slovakian league. It's yeah. like their Vitesse for Chelsea. It's really weird. Who knew? Makes sense. Uh, and so those, those guys are, I, I would, I would venture a guess to say uh, 95% done or something like that. Um, and then there's this kind of no new rumor that this uh, Israeli playmaker, uh, Dia Saba, um, 25 year old, uh, is maybe coming to Minnesota United. Uh, so I don't know how real that is because Jeff Ruder tweeted 
that teams in MLS were interested in him. And then I, some, someone else, some other site, which I didn't recognize, picked it up and said Minnesota United was interested in him. But they were I, citing him. Part of me, yeah. Right. Part of me wonders if they were, if this was this kind of thing in, in soccer transfer rumors where everyone just sort of, someone makes something up, someone else repeats it, and then everyone uses each other as a source. And it's like, and, and because Jeff tweeted it, maybe people thought it was, had to be Minnesota. I don't really know for sure, but I don't understand how we're going to fit all of our internationals. Uh, yeah. into the into the available slots. I mean, if you add Dawkins, let's say you get rid, we've already gotten rid of Johan Venegas. Let's say we also get rid of Demidov. Let's say we cancel Letone's loan. Yeah. Because he's clearly not in the club's future. Um, that gives us nine international spots, which is one more than the league gives you in the first place. So we already have to trade for one. And if we got Dawkins, we'd have to trade for another. And if we got this Diasaba guy, we would have to trade for a third. So, uh, you know, either like uh, the Cameroonian guys are just going on loan somewhere and we get to write them off. I'm not quite sure, but there's clearly some roster compliance issues that yeah. need to get worked out this week. Well, Thursday, Thursday, March 1st is uh, roster compliance day. So, that's when we should know about international spots and things like that and, and who, you know, draftees as well. So we still don't know if any of the draftees are signed. Um, so yeah, yeah I, 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 it's, it's an absolute mystery to me as well. Uh, but those are the, uh, those are the rumors at least, or, or what seems to be going on. Um, you know, uh, we had two preseason games last week since we uh, all last got together around the campfire. Uh, Minnesota United against Atlanta and then uh, Minnesota against um, Columbus Crew. I don't want to dig through either of these, uh, but maybe we should just go through the the kind of high points, low points, whatever. Um, the first thing I, I want to point out is, is that, Minnes- you know, Heath lined up in the um, the... I've been calling it a four three three just to be simple, but I guess it's a four one two one. No, four whatever. I think, I think it's a four three three. Sure. Well, this, none the, none of those midfielders are the are like the designated defensive midfielders. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, but it, it did look <clears throat> more that Colin Martin was kind of tasked with a little bit more of that defensive role. Um. Uh. But you have three central midfielders, which is the key point. You don't have a number ten. You have, you basically have um, Molino playing out right and drifting in as a, into that role, into that space. Uh, Ethan Finley kind of shoehorned out left, which he was not doing well at. Um, a few points I want to make about that is um, one: last year that was the initial uh, um, formation that Heath tried on the first. Uh, day of the season against Portland. I uh, tried it a lot during the pre that preseason. It never worked. Um, it uh, still did not work in either of these matches. Uh, one thing it could help you do is, you know, you're, you're flooding that central midfield and kind of making it a lot more difficult for the opposition to get through there. Um, but in neither game did Minnesota United hold possession, right? So 
it just ended up, you know, in, in, especially in the Atlanta game, Atlanta had, I mean, how many absolute, like, clear shots on goal? Yeah. Uh, just a, a whole it was load. like they were on a power play. It really yeah. felt like they were on a power play. Yeah, and and part of that comes from because you have one fewer defender or a, a attacking player like Molino, you have uh, you have uh, an inability to hold the ball. Um, Abu Dinladi is not very good at uh, being a target man for for kind of holding up the ball. Um, Christian is particularly not good at that. But Abu is is someone who um, they they do try to put uh, kind of over the top. Uh, long balls too, and so the ball just kind of kept on getting lost um, over the top, and then Atlanta would recover it and you know send it right back into the mix. Um, it, it, I think. It, sorry, it, keep going. Yeah, sorry. So it's a, it's a it's a formation that I just don't think we have the personnel to to work with because we don't we don't have very many possession oriented attacking players, right? Um, we don't have people who hold the ball and move it, other than Molino. I've said this in a previous podcast. Christian doesn't do that very well. That's not Finley's game. You know, Finley will take the ball and run. Um, so it can work a bit for the counter, but we didn't really have that many counters against either team. And so I, I think that it's it's an attempt to kind of fix our defensive problem, but... Uh, which I think we do need. I think we need something to kind of solidify that that back line with the midfield. But it's doing. It's trying to fix that and creating a different kind of problem that's even bigger. So that's like my my overall thought on on this formation. I think that uh, you know I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that the reason he, I think the reason we went to it was because <clears throat> is it, because simply Sam Cronin and Ibsen. We've we've seen enough of it. It, it. They can't work as a midfield alone. Um, it's just Cronin. I don't think is is really mobile enough. Ibsen, you know, moves out of his position too frequently and has a propensity to lose the ball in bad spots. And so by having three guys who are sort of similar players, well, Ibsen's different, but but Schuller and Martin, I think, are similar players. Um, and they all sort of share defensive responsibility. You can clog the center of the field. And I think that, that was effective. I think I actually think that, thought that the game plan against Atlanta was more or less what you what we are going to have to do against Atlanta this year because they're better than us. Their players are better than us. And we clogged the center of the field. I thought that Nagby had a pretty poor game. I thought that Almiron didn't really orchestrate the attack the way that he he can. Um, the problem is, of course, that Atlanta also have very, very good wide players, um, and they just tore us apart. Um, I mean, I thought that Barco was not quite impressive, but he had a beautiful goal at the end. He showed his quality, and I thought that Gressel, uh, Garza, uh, these guys were really dangerous against us. I think that just sort of... <laughs> You know, in, in general, the game plan against Atlanta, right, we, Abu Dhabi had, I, two, if I remember, really good counterattacking opportunities. Yeah. He made a total hash of both of them. But maybe that's something we can chalk up to preseason. I think that it wasn't a bad strategy against Atlanta, and I thought it, it wasn't a terrible strategy against Columbus either. It was pragmatic, you know. But, but the, the problem isn't 
necessarily the three in the midfield. The problem is the attacking players we have on the field. I thought that Molino and Finley had really terrible, just terrible uh, games, both of them against Atlanta and against Columbus. I was really hoping that Finley would be good on the left, and he seemed to really struggle there. Yeah. Um, I think that Molina was better on the right than he was on the center, uh, but he didn't have a great game either. And, you know, I know part of this is looking at the team through sort of the, the, the glasses of someone who was a fan in NASL, but I found myself constantly wishing for Miguel Ibarra. I think the way that he plays, where he is just sort of moving around the field, connecting short passes. He's, he's the only player on our team, really, who passes the ball and then follows his pass, which is something that they told you to do way back in, like, rec and travel soccer. You know, it, it is... He is really the only player who does that, and he is the only player who helps us create overloads on the attack. When Ibarra is on the field, we're not relying on Molino or Finley to beat someone on the dribble, Nicholson to beat someone on the dribble and get space. We're not relying on Ibsen to, you know, sort of pick some crazy pass or something. We are creating overloads. Ibarra is moving into people's faces and forcing two defenders to defend three attackers. And he is the only player that I've seen on the team who plays that way. He's the only player who has the motor the energy, the interest in playing that way. I would love to see, I, I, I just am bummed that we did not get to see him get, like, let's say, from the 60th minute yeah. in that Columbus game. I would have loved to see what he could have offered. Well, you know, we, we, we've we said about Ibarra last season, we criticized him because he was not consistent. But when he was on, he was a very good player for the team, right? Um yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, he had he had four or five games that were just stellar. And that's not good enough for for him, right? I mean, that needs to be way better. Um you know, but he was he he didn't really get a chance to like do any of that, right? So if you're not giving yeah. him a chance to I don't know, to to maybe then say like, he "All right, played, look, you need to be better," but if he's not getting that chance. Yeah. Then... He played I have two thoughts. First of all, he played 70% of the minutes last year that Kevin Molino did and scored the exact same number of goals from open play. Both scored three goals, but Ibarra did it in 70% of the minutes. Yeah, so but, uh, Molino had Molino had other other stats that that uh, that made up for for that though. I, I mean, Molino he, he had a couple assists, but he had a couple more assists. But when you look at it based on a per minute in the game ratio. Molina really doesn't stand out. But the other thing I'll say is that I'm, I would love to have just seen Miguel Ibarra get an opportunity as number eight. I don't know if it would work. I really, this is kind of, you know, what I thought preseason was for was trying this stuff out. But it may be that he is not incisive or skilled enough as an attacker or, or sort of cutthroat enough as an attacker to, to, to really dominate in MLS. But I think that his, again, I think that his ability to run all over the field, to shuttle the ball both side to side and up and down the field, would, could be really useful 
in that number eight role. I mean, I could see him as sort of a more responsible Ibsen. And I just, yeah, I'm bummed that we didn't get to see that as well. Um, because I think that, yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's got NFL the, sort of, yeah. Those of us who saw him in the NASL sort of think of him as this attacking player, but I, I, I think that he could succeed, you know, in a little bit less of an attacking role and more of a supporting role. And, you you may disagree. Everyone may disagree, but I I'm just bummed we didn't get the chance to see it because I think that his skill set is really something that we need. Well, here, here let me let me transition this to another point I want to make. I do think that he would I would love to see him as a wing back, um, and I do think that that would allow Minnesota United to um, uh, adjust for another big problem in the team, which is that. Uh, Jerome Tisson was bad in all three games as a left back. He was bad. Um, yeah. Tyrone Mears was 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 pretty decent as a, as a right back. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not in love with him, but I, I do think that um, uh, I, I do think that he's a good addition to the team. Uh, we don't have good fullbacks right now. Uh, I, I mean, Mark Birch has a little bit of a knock. It sounds like. Um, we need fullbacks, and if Jerome Tison is going to be bad on the left, and we don't have an uh, like, I'm worried. And we do have lots of center backs, um, uh, you know, uh, like <laughs> Calvo marshalling that with with Boxall and 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 Coleman as as the two really um, you know kind of uh, muscular guys that could work. And I know you've talked about that before, but I am worried about the fullbacks right now. Um, and and then then another point I want to make is Cronin was not with the team the last preseason game. Uh, Meg Ryan reported yeah. in Star Trib when she talked to Heath, he he said something about like Leyton was down, like out was dealing with personal issues or something, which I, I assume means they're sending him home uh, because he's too, they don't need him. Uh, and Cronin was back in Minnesota, and there was nothing more said about it. Um, we, we've said before that there's like concerns about his recovery from concussion. I have literally no idea what this is about, but, um, if Cronin is not there, Luis Fernando better be effing the bomb because we are screwed without a number six. And that's, that's why we've been playing this three man midfield because we don't have a mobile defensive midfielder. And, and, and so I think that there's at least not that we know of, maybe not even Benedetti. There's no player who is a, the the ability to transform Minnesota's season by being really good more than this Luis Fernando guy. Yeah. Like if he is really good, the way we the entire way that we think about setting up Minnesota United changes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he could if he if he is lights out starter blah 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 and who knows when he's going to get here by the way right probably not for San Jose um certainly certainly he won't start uh, obviously um so and yeah he may may maybe a Richard Garcia thing where he shows up three months from now finally getting <laughs> his visa um so I'm worried uh, I don't know if there's any anything else from these games we only scored one goal it was from a penalty um. Uh, I, I don't know what to say other than I think that that's a result of, uh, these formation, the formation problem. So 
Maybe we should uh, maybe we should take a break and come back and do predictions. All right, back on the fifty five one podcast, uh, where we just wrapped up an off off mic uh, debate over Ibarra in the eight role. Um, we're going to do predictions. Uh, some let's start with the big MLS ones, uh, and I, I'll say my caveats here. Um, caveat is uh, particularly when we get to the Minnesota, we're only judging based on today knowledge, right? So it may be that someone like this Dia Saba. Saba is it whatever Dia is going to happen or Benedetti or like 13 guys we don't know that like we have to judge this season based on what we see um and so we're going to do that are you ready for the we'll start with the supporter shield I'm ready all right why don't you I think uh we're going to agree on this one though yeah so so and I'm not picking MLS cup winner just because uh I, I think that that's a useless thing I want to talk about who's going to be the best team <laughs> in the league uh both of both of us are going to just say Toronto FC. Yeah, yeah. They're so. I mean, they were the best team in the league by so much last year, and then they improved. Like they, uh, the 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 only significant player that they lost was Raheem Edwards. Betasher, Betasher. Oh, Betasher tour. But they got this guy from Atletico Bilbao. It's like that's an impressive signing. Uh, they they are just so. Oh man, they're yeah. so impressive. What a I, team that I, is. I do think there's there's a possibility that NYCFC that Toronto may struggle a bit more this year and may come back down to earth and that NYCFC still a really good team that they um they may kind of impress. But I, I think Toronto FC is probably the smartest pick. Um NYCFC is a good pick. They just have I feel like NYCFC has not looked very good this preseason. Um Yeah. And who knows what that means, but nothing usually, but uh, I don't know. Um, uh, wooden spoon winner. Uh, who are you going to go with? I'm going to go with the new England revolution. Mm. I mean, I have no confidence that they've solved their defensive issues and I have, but above all, I have no confidence that Brad Friedel knows what he's doing. He's got no head coaching experience. I mean, he, he, the only head coaching experience he has was with the U.S. U-19s. New England have been like a really tricky team to figure out for the past couple of years. I mean, they have never really gotten their act together. They have alienated their best playmaker. I mean, I don't know what is working well for this team this year. I think that New England will really struggle. That's a good shout. Um, I, I'm going to go with Colorado. I think the, um, going with the, the Kiwi coach and the kind of, who's kind of adopting, um, this kind of, uh, English, uh, league one, um, kind of a, a very kind of earlier stage of, uh, of MLS approach, I think is not going to work. Um, and you know, the difference between Colorado and Minnesota is that, um, Colorado are trying a lot of new things and Minnesota, at least one thing you can say is that Minnesota, not much is changing, right? So, <laughs> you know, other teams may have gotten better, but Minnesota didn't get worse in the off season. And I think you could say that about Colorado. Um, 
Uh, so uh, I think that them, DC United probably look better. So yeah, I'm going Colorado with this. Um, yeah. So I want to go with the biggest, who you think will have the biggest improvement from last season. Uh, and then we'll talk about the who you think will be the biggest drop off, uh, come back to earth from last season. Um, I'll start with my biggest improvement. It's it's really the most obvious. Um, it's LA Galaxy. Obviously, they they had thirty two <clears throat> points last year. I still think though that LA Galaxy are not going to be good this year, and they, and that they won't make the playoffs. But I still, you know, it, they would have had to have fourteen more points last year. Uh, to make the playoffs, I think that they'll get ten more points. They'll finish, you know, in that eighth spot or something like that. Uh, so th- they're my biggest improve, but I still don't think that they'll be that good. You? Well, again, you know, again, like, you know, who knows what preseason really means? But LA have not looked good this preseason, and their defenses especially look really poor. And you know, this will sound familiar to folks, but they're putting. Um, they've put some chips down on a Norwegian center back. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that I, I would have thought that the more, the most obvious answer to the most improved would be Orlando. Um, they finally shed themselves in Kaká's contract. They signed just about every proven MLS, uh, you know, midfielder under the sun. When they, when they got Uru Osel, they got, um, they got uh, Sasha Question. I think that they went out and got this DP, Christian Coleman. Um, I, I think that I kind of really desperately want them to miss the playoffs because I think it's funny and I think their fans are obnoxious. But I think that this this is the year. That well, and you hate the Orlando, town. the town. Yeah, and I hate Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Super Rookie will fight me on, on Twitter again. Um it's just, but I think that this is Jason crisis had the entire, finally he's had an off season where he has the budget at his disposal and the ability to get the players he wants, to put them in the positions he wants to put them in. So I think that there's a lot of, of, uh, I mean, this is really, uh, Orlando's fans have, have got to be pretty mad by now. I mean, this, this is really, they need to make the playoffs this year. And I, I think that they probably will. I, I think I think that they are the other obvious pick for for big in, improvement. But again, I think that they will eke into the playoffs. Uh, maybe not make it, but I, I think there's enough think bad so. teams in the East that they that they will eke into it. Right? I mean, they'll be better than yeah. DC, Montreal, Philadelphia, New England, and I think Red Bulls right. may may drop. Chicago will certainly drop. You know, et cetera. So I, I think that there's a, just enough. Uh, there's some. You know, the top four teams in uh, in the East are fantastic, but then you know, like. The, like most most of MLS is just mediocrity, right? So it's just. Well, let me just let me just pick a team that I I don't know if they will surprise, but I want them to surprise. I love what DC United have done. I love how last year they just sort of they want, midway through the season they were like, you know what, this isn't working. They went out, they got Russell Knauf, they got um, Paul Ariola. Uh, Ariola, you're right. I think that they and, and they've continued to sort of this off season they sort of rebuilt. Uh, with some younger guys. I think they've made some savvy moves, too, getting Frederick Riant. I think Darren Maddox always is going to run around for you. I, I would love to see what they've done pay off 
Um, I think that they, I think that they had a smart off season, and and I could be completely wrong about that. But the, pro- the problem is that uh, they start with that long that. away schedule because of yeah, their stadium problem. So. True, but that, but for that reason, they could be, you know, quite literally, they could surprise people who forget yeah. that they are away, and then they yeah. second half of the season they put it all together. Yeah. So um, uh, next one is who's going to have the biggest drop off from last season. Uh, I'm going to go with the Whitecaps on this. Whitecaps uh, were a big surprise last season. 52 points, finishing just one point out of the the top two. Um, uh, I just I think that they're a fine team, uh, but they they haven't really put much together. They might lose Tim Parker, which why didn't we get Tim? Oh, I don't know. I guess maybe that's not not something we need to spend a million dollars of gam on but man i love tim parker um so white caps are, are my uh my pick for that what what, what do you want to who do you want to pick well i sort of still can't quite figure out why seattle do as well as they do but my pick is kind of cheating i think lafc and i know they didn't play last year but given what people thought they would do when they went out they signed vela you know, that was a real, they went out, they got Bob Bradley as the coach. I mean, these were real sort of statements of intent. And then you look at the roster with like a week to go, and I don't think it's that good. It's still only, I, only, I think we mentioned this last, I mean, it's, is it more than 18 players now? I think I, that they just, they just signed a whole batch of players. Okay. I think it is. But it's, you know... They made some. They made some moves that caught a lot of attention. They got sort of Walker Zimmerman, who did come off a pretty bad year with Dallas, so maybe he's not very good. Yeah, I mean, I trust Bob Bradley, but everyone thought that that LAFC were going to be the next Atlanta, right? That they were going to come in, they were going to buy, you know, the next you know, all these players who were linked with Arsenal from Paraguay or something, and they haven't really done that. And uh, so who is going to sort of disappoint? Who's going to be sort of a letdown based on where people thought they would be? I think LAFC are not going to have the season that people expect. I think that they're, they're, there's a decent chance they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. I think it's that that's... Team yeah. expansion team. Yeah. I, I, I am with you on that. Um, especially because I think that, you know, we said that... Uh, the, the East has way better teams. The cream, cream of the crop are, are better in the East. But I think in, uh, in the West, there's a lot more decent teams, right? I, like, I do think Seattle, Portland, uh, I think, you know, I've, I've talked about how much I like Cabrera for the Dynamo Sporting Kansas City. Obviously, Dallas, Real Salt Lake, they're all good, decent teams that I think are, you know, uh, are, yeah, I, I like a lot. So I, I think you're right that it that it's not that easy to uh, to get into the playoff spots in the West. Um, I still, say the East is stronger, but but the West also does have one more team, so it is it is it is mathematically tougher. Yeah, uh, let, let's talk about Minnesota United now. Uh, where are Minnesota United going to finish? Why don't you go first? I think that they'll finish ninth or tenth. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, 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 am, I don't expect Minnesota to be a tire fire, and there's going to be one surprising team who will be a tire fire who will fall below them, and 
and uh, you know, I, you know, and then I think Colorado will finish below them as well. Um, I, I, I think Minnesota. I think Minnesota will have just another season where you're like, huh, you know, like we could have been better, we could have been worse, we weren't very good. Who's going to be the surprise you know, where, tire fire? Where do we go from there? What? Who's going to be the surprise tire fire? I guess then this year. Well, you never know. I mean, last year Dallas was uh, a really, really stunning uh, collapse. Um, I mean, you know, I guess I, I guess I mean, you're saying LAFC is 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 was your right, it, or it could be you. It could be Vancouver. You know, it could be. I, I don't. I don't okay. know. I mean, that's right. kind of the, the mystery and the joy yeah. of it, right? <laughs> you never. <laughs> um, you never really know. Back, back to Minnesota. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna put them at um 11th uh so basically one above the bottom i I think that colorado are going to be the worst and and minnesota are going to be above that um yeah i i do i think that i just look at every other team around everyone else got stronger uh minnesota did not um and i also am very worried about um the tactics right i mean I think that yeah, well, if we go with this four three three, we will not be scoring the goals, and we'll still be giving up goals. Uh, and and Heath has, you know, we've said the the good thing about Heath is that he is f- flexible in that. You know, he's he had a couple time. things not well. Yeah, in in some ways, he had a couple things not work last season. <laughs> switched around formations, players, etc. Um, and I think that. Uh, that if we're going to see this where Abu Dinladi is a favored one, I I just think that we're going to have a lot of games where we're shut out. So that's, that's where I'm, I'm particularly worrying right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I share the same worries, but I, 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 yeah. Um, how many players who start on Saturday against San Jose will start in October? Five. Five. Okay. Do you, do you know which ones or? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Calvo, but then who knows? Calvo will potentially be sold in the summer. I mean, yeah. you have to factor that in when you consider he's been going to the World Cup. Yeah. So um, I, I think that, I don't know. I think that the. I, I'm I'm gonna stick to my guns. I just I don't think that the players are that bad. I just think it's where they're positioned a lot of the time. And I think that you can come up with a halfway decent roster out of uh, uh, eleven out of the players we have. And yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's not too optimistic. I, but I I don't I. So I'm gonna say two players, but only because those I know that Finley and Molino will be starting. Uh, in yeah. October, and they'll start this weekend. Right. That, that's those There's are just the only more. two. Everyone else, I could see Lampson uh, supplanting uh, Shuttleworth. I could see. I think he will. Uh, Calvo being sold. Sure. I could see Ibsen uh, finally, you know, being uh, sent off to the farm. I could see Abu starting on Saturday and Christian finally coming back. On you know, I can see a lot of things, I guess. And but the only two I'm really sure of. So it's which is not to say we're going to have another like last year, right? Where only Molino, uh, who started on on opening day, was then starting late in the season. Um, yeah. 
But Calvo and Molino, sorry, we had two. Right. Well, so, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Molino is going to start. He is the first name on that team sheet because he just is. But uh, I think that I think that I I I, I when you asked that question, I, I thought about the goalkeeping because it's usually the most secure position on the field. I, I mean, I really do. I I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if Lampson starts on Saturday. Wow. Um, I guess Shuttleworth is maybe a little favored because he has that familiarity, but I think Lampson is the better goalkeeper, hmm. and I think that he'll be starting by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have any bold uh, Minnesota just uh, out there p- predictions for this year? Oh, I don't know what qualifies as bold. Well, I'll give you my two. Here's my two. Yeah. Ramirez will yeah, score fewer goals than bold. last year. He'll score fewer goals than 14. Um, and I say that because I think that he's going to struggle again, uh, to get the starting spot. And then he is also going, the formation, uh, will not favor him. And uh, I think that that totally could change if a number 10 gets signed. That, that, that prediction I think could be total BS. Um, uh, and then I think that Heath will not be the head coach in 2019. I don't know if that's bold, but. I don't think yeah, I don't think those are bold. Um, okay. Oh, really? Oh. I guess I, I. But I think those are interesting, right? I mean, I think that they. This it would be it would be interesting to think about what. You sort of talked a little bit about the Christian thing. What would cause those those two things to come to pass? Yeah, I think that. We. I mean, the last. If you remember, like last year, like Christian barely got a chance to score in the final like six games of the year. I mean, it yeah. felt that way. Um, if the formation's out of whack, if we're not, if we play like we did in the, in the preseason games, which are all fresh in our mind, yeah, he, he's, he may, he may struggle to score more than five goals. Yeah. Um, I, I, my bold prediction is that, uh, I think that Omsberg will be a regular starter by the end of the year. Although we may not sign him. I mean, the, the way in us, which it was Calvo we'll Boxall sure. just locked in the preseason. I mean, Brent yeah. barely got a sniff. And so, yeah. No, I think that I think that I think that Omsberg has impressed everybody. So yeah. that's the sense I've gotten, and we'll see if I'm, I am almost sure that they'll sign him. I think it would be insane if they didn't sign him. I hope that's true. Um, but uh, I, I think that we'll see. I think that we'll see some young guys come in. I mean, I thought Mason Toy was impressive in preseason. I think I think Keith was good at working Dunlady into the rotation last year. So I think that Toy will get opportunities in a similar fashion. Hmm. Um, okay. I mean, I, I think that we. Uh, it's the season is really long. Uh, you know, that's that's what makes us so difficult. Yeah. And one of the things that we have to remember when we're making all these predictions is that Minnesota United could be awful to start the season, and. Bill McGuire gets real mad and says, you are buying two DPs in the summer window. You know, I don't know. Right. Like there's a whole transfer window in the middle of this season. There are a lot of ups and downs. There are times when we'll be playing at home a lot. There are times when we'll be playing away a lot. It is, there's a lot that can change. We saw it last year with, with new players coming in and out. There is a lot that can change. Yeah. And so, and, and, and we have three 
really dreadful preseason games in our memory. But that, you know, A, preseason often doesn't matter at all. And B, the t- there's a lot that can be fixed mid-season, you know. You can, you can sort of rebuild the airplane as you're flying it. Yeah. And so that's just, I don't know, it's a totally unnecessary warning. But it, it, is, it is true. Um, well, with, with that, let's, let's take a break and come back and we'll do some, uh, questions. Back on the 55 one podcast, it's, uh, Wes and Alex, and, uh, you can always send questions with the hashtag five, five, one pod. Uh, send me emails, westbirdine at 55.1. Uh, yeah, please send messages. And uh, we have a lot of questions. So, uh, you know, most of them are, are kind of going to be on the same uh, wavelength as what we've been talking about. But Matt Axelson says, what will it take outside of new signings for the Loons to be competitive this season? You know, it was two or three years ago where Colorado almost won the supporter shield. They weren't a good team. I mean, they they didn't have a lot of great players. They won it because they were real compact and they didn't concede goals. And once in a while they found a way to get one in the other net. And I just think that's a, I always think about that as, as a, it's a lesson because what it would take for Minnesota to be to be good without signing new players is for the team to gel in in a really unpredictable but fruitful way for them to really be on the same page and playing as a unit um because soccer games are not usually won by just sort of one crazy dude dribbling through everybody and scoring i mean it is a team game and if the other team is more talented but you are more more cohesive the more cohesive team usually wins. So yeah. it would take that. Yeah, I, I, I won't add too much to that other than figuring out the alchemy of that central midfield. Whether it's dropping Ibsen mm-hmm. and going with two uh, obviously lesser players there or uh, finding someone who can partner with, with Ibsen properly. Um, th- this comes from... Uh, uh, Keenan Humphrey, who says, with Jordan Morris out with the torn ACL, which is terrible news, by the way. Jordan Morris is going to miss 2018. Yeah, um, which other uninspiring forward is going to pass Christian for his spot in the U.S. men's national team in North Carolina next month? <laughs> I don't know if uh, well, Christian will get the call up. I mean, uh, yeah. he if he's not starting uh, this Saturday, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if he'll get that call. So, but is there an uninspiring forward you want to nominate? Yeah, man, Jesse Zardes is tearing up. Oh pre-season. my god! Yeah, that's so true. He is going to get the call. Uh, Jesse Zardes is the number nine. It's back. <laughs> Nick Kaler. Well, he scored against us. Nick Kaler says to be roster compliant. Um, uh, actually, we kind of talked about this. We already talked about who's who's going to get cut, loaned out, etc. So I'll, I'll move on to Ben Coke who says, uh, right. which positions need the biggest upgrade and would benefit most from a player signing other than uh, the number six role or number and the number, number six role. and number 10? Because we're just going to say that. I feel like we've answered this question a yeah. lot this offseason. Um, well, you've shown a spotlight on the fullbacks. 
Yeah. I mean, I really like Carter Manley, but uh, he's again, what, <laughs> we're 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 almost at the point where our combined uh, age of the fullbacks is uh, ninety eight. So currently ninety seven. So yeah, those three guys. I, I'm going to nominate fullbacks again. I think that, uh, yeah, we just need we need someone on the left because Tison is not going to pull it there. Um, I, I, maybe he can, I hope he proves me wrong because everyone knows how much, I, how much I love sure. Terry. But um, Mark Nissen uh, says, "Hope is there any hope? The preseason was so incredibly boring. What's one way could <laughs> we could improve on last year? Winning more games, I guess." Mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. There are a million ways we could improve on last year. I mean, last year was what we can say about last year is it was not boring. You know, we scored lots of goals, lost games, huge blowouts, but it was fun to watch. Uh, I would say most of the time. There there were times where it was definitely not fun. But uh, I mean, of those games, I would say games like the Atlanta home, home opener, right? It was still fun. It was a disaster, but. Um, there were only a couple games that were not fun to watch. Um, the Portland game was still fun, you know, that, that loss uh, to open the season. Um, it was really just like that Real Salt Lake uh, away, Vancouver away, uh, Houston, Houston game. draw, yeah, at home. Um, I'm trying to think. There was probably another home the, game. The that, games to end the season, that L.A. game oh. where they had the... Oh, one yeah. of the worst home records in the history of the league, and we lost 0-3 to them. Yeah. I'm still mad about that game. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, right. So I, I would say, yeah, there's there's hope. I mean, and look, I, I mean, the bummer is, uh, you know, Bruce McGuire asked me about this on Twitter uh, today, and we were talking about it on Twitter publicly. So, um, you know, it was just like, he, he was saying, is there more um, uh, uh, sassiness or upset uh, feelings about the panic this year, this off season, yeah. more bitter feelings going into the season. And I think that, that I certainly sense that from, from fans. Uh, yeah. The panic I, has an edge to it. This year. Um, and I, I think that that's totally fair. Right. I mean, you and I talk about like on this podcast, I feel like we're, uh, especially during the off season, we've been pretty calm. Uh, I definitely understand people who are having those kind of angered feelings. Um, but mostly, uh, you know, going into it, I think like, yeah, but I still just love watching soccer. And then I'm, I'm like remembering all the, all the podcasts we <laughs> recorded last season where we were just, just effing livid, like, oh, what the, <laughs> so I, I, you know, that will turn for me. But right now I, I'm just still excited to watch soccer and, and I still do like almost all these players. <laughs> I won't yeah. name which ones I won't, but, um, yeah, there's hope, Mark, <laughs> there's hope. Nicholas Benedetti, yeah. the the poet, is going to suddenly appear. Well, what did I say? I mean, it's a long season, and I, I am. I mean, I have been sort of like uh, leading the, um, in some way, one of the people leading the uh, the panic parade. But I do want to say that, and I, and I have an article scheduled about this this week. But I think that there is way more that is going right with Minnesota United than there is going wrong. And I think that if you asked me if I wanted to trade with uh, in my position with fans of basically any other club in the league, almost any other club in the league, I would not trade. Um, and I think that and that's, that's like purely objective, would not trade. Minnesota in the long run will be better than 
virtually all the clubs in the league. And and let me when let me ask about that was going to be my last question here. Um, uh, from Steve Lindley, he sent me a question that says, "What's something besides the stadium off the field?" that gives you hope for Minnesota United's future. So I, I think that maybe that question is kind of asking, asking exactly that. So wh- why, what, what gives you hope? Well, everyone, I know he said the site, um, despite the stadium and everyone's tired of hearing about the stadium right now, but um, I just think that people, I don't think that Minnesota United fans necessarily appreciate how, screwed some of the other teams in MLS are. And maybe this is because I live in Philadelphia and I, you know, I, I'm sort of in the proximity of the union and I just see how irrelevant they are and how, how kind of awful their situation is here. But this, the stadium itself will be great. The stadium location will be great. The stadium is going to help recruit better players. Um, I think that Minnesota United have a history that a lot of clubs don't have, and we'll always have that. I think that Minnesota United have these players like Miguel and Christian, who we have these, you know, and Brent Coleman, who we have these sort of multi-year relationships. We've seen them grow. Um, I think that I think that we have ownership that is local and cares about the club. It's absolutely not the case about about quite a few of the teams in the league. I mean, one, as we all know, one owner is trying to move the, the MLS original to a city that doesn't care about it. I think that there are, if you look at that picture of the club and, 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 you know, whatever you're, you're in the market so you can, and you have in the past spoken about the team's marketing. But I will tell you that when I was in the Twin Cities last summer for a wedding, I saw more <laughs> gear, so more Minnesota United gear, just walking the streets than I, than I have in two and a half years living in Philadelphia. Yeah. And, and yeah. I, I just think that the, I, I think that it's not healthy for people to be quite, to be really mad about the way the club is being run because I don't think it's, it's, it's not accurate and it is not, it's not a good perspective. Like, you know, it sounds like, I know it sounds like I'm trying to sell season tickets, but um, the, 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 you will, you, I think you will want to be there when things come good and that stadium opens and the players who weren't, weren't going to come here because of the TCF bank stadium turf come here because they see this beautiful grass stadium opening and, and, yeah. and so on. Uh, you know, I, I think I, that people will want to be a part of that. I, I, that's, that's all. Yeah. I'll add two, two things to that. One is that I, I do think that the team has not uh, yet opened its, its pocketbook. And the positive part about it, that is like, it will like the team will eventually spend, right? We, we're not, this is not even going to be Philadelphia union. Like it will happen. Uh, it just has not happened yet. And so the second part is that, um, uh, that all these things are, are true that you're saying, but I don't, that's what makes it like really frustrating. Like you don't want to see them squander this chance. You have a real chance yeah. to make a statement in 2019 
you need to be ready to do that. And so you need to have two DPs this summer. Um, now, uh, you know, I think you need to make real big moves this summer to get ready. Um, so I hope that that happens. Um, let me go to a couple more questions. Uh, really, actually, really, it's like two questions that ask the same thing. Brett uh, S. and, and uh, uh, Luke Craig ask, uh, you know, what would a good loon season look like? Or, you know, Brett asks more specifically, what are your benchmarks in points, goal differential, et cetera, that would determine whether this season is a success or a failure? I mean, the playoffs, right? In terms of points, 45, 46 points is usually around what you need. So to have a successful and, uh, year, you want, you want to see playoffs. I, I would consider that to be a successful year. Okay. Um, I, I said this at the end of last season, this is what I viewed 2017 as being successful or not. Um, does this team seem like it's on the right track? Like it's making positive signings so that the next year can be better. Uh, uh, again, that that means that I'm kind of writing off 2018, but I kind of always was in the first place. I, I don't think it's possible to have. Uh, I don't. Uh, this was apparently controversial when I said it on on Twitter last week. But when I kind of ag- agreed and, and said it's not controversial for Manny Lagos to say you can't build an MLS Cup contender right away. Um, uh, I, I think that that's true. Like you can build a team that can get into MLS playoffs you know mls cup playoffs and do that better um but i don't think that you know you look at a team like toronto um even a team like portland uh, a team like nycfc those those literally cannot happen right away um atlanta did in many ways and it, it was I, I it's atlanta is singular it's never happened before um and we're seeing atlanta with, atlanta didn't have any depth and they played their players. They and Tata Martino ran right. his players into the ground last year. Right. And they didn't. They finished the season much weaker than yeah. they were playing at the beginning. So I think it is. I think it is. It is close to literally true that you you cannot build a team that has the depth and quality that Toronto FC yeah. does. And and you look at year. and you look at you talked about Seattle. I look at Seattle's depth and I think, my God. I mean, you know, you've got like. Uh, Harrison Ship, uh, you know, yeah. guys who I, I think Sorry. could be on a lot of starting 11s. Um, you know, they're they're the third guy, and and so I I think that I would like to see Minnesota start to build that out. I I'm now disappointed in this off season that I don't think it happened. I think we did get a little bit deeper, but in very um in very small ways, right? Uh, uh, so, we might have gotten deeper. We don't really know. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. We yes. got a lot of guys who we're not quite sure about. Last year, we did the same thing. We were like, okay, let's bring in all these guys. Who knows which one of them will be will be good enough? Uh, okay, now we're going to get rid of three quarters of them. Like, okay, well, yeah. that's not a very efficient capturing mechanism. So, yeah, I, 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 I view, and I view, will this year be a success is uh, the same thing as last year. Do Do we have a really good time? Is it fun to watch, fun soccer to watch? Um, and, you know, I, I think last year, uh, aside from some misery, uh, w- was pretty good. So if we finished with two more wins, then I think that that's a success in, you know, then we're going in a positive direction. Um, so that, with 12 wins, right? Yeah, with 12 wins, yeah. 
I think we had 10 last year. Yeah. Um, did I say something weird? Did I say different? no? You okay. said that. I'm just I'm yeah. Just doing that. And, and I, can't, I can't remember how it, many it, it's a year. failure if um, we're in the same place at the end of the year, you know, where we've got maybe you know two two extra players. You know, if we haven't like made significant gains, if we don't have, uh, I, I would say three new starters by the end of the year. Um, uh, you know, adding to that depth and right. not just like getting, not cycling in players, not continuing to build up on, on the left wing. Well, that is, that is kind of, you know, why I felt that this preseason was so frustrating because the team we're playing and have been playing the starting group is virtually identical to what we saw last year. Right. So that really speaks to the fact that the, the off season did not succeed. Yeah, I think in the way that they, I think that in the way that everyone didn't want it to, yeah, or, or wanted it to. Pardon me. Um. All right. Well, th- that is the end of the podcast. I am. I am very excited about this Saturday, uh, San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, it is going to be exciting and fun just to yell at people again. I think uh, yeah. Dark Clouds or their their watch party is uh, what is it at the the Nomad or I forget where it is, but that's where I'm going to be. Where wherever Dark Clouds tell me to be. Um. So. Uh, Alex, it was good to talk to you again. Thank you. Uh, listeners, it was good to talk to you. I'll be at the Dark Clouds watch party, so come say hi, and, uh, and we'll all see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>